Good morning, and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. Our service times are Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. God bless you, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Wow. (laughs) I heard somebody say one time the only Greek word they knew was wow. (laughs) It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Man, I'm excited, and I hope you are too. I'm excited about celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah. I think I deserve an award. (laughs) Come on, guys, help me out a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) No, my wife's the one who deserves the award. And and I don't, (laughs) yeah, okay, ladies. And it's only appropriate that we do this in the house of God because my wife led me to the Lord a little over 52 years ago. And, uh, and by the way, uh, young ladies, and I would say young men also, if you can't lead them to the Lord before you get married, you probably won't do it after you get married. I mean, really, just draw the line. Just say, nope, you get right with God or I'm out of here. Plain and simple. Yeah. I don't know where that came from, but anyway. <laughs> praise, praise the Lord. I'm excited about this message this morning, and I really believe the Lord has placed this uh, on my heart. I, I want to tell you, for those of you who were here last week, the message today is a prequel to the message last Sunday. A prequel. You didn't know I knew those kind of words, did you? I should have preached this message first. So the Lord just backed me up. And, and so this is kind of introductory to the message I preached last week. Now, last week I shared with you three mental pictures, three mental images to help you remember a biblical teaching. And... And you should know by now that it's easier to remember pictures than it is words. You should know that. How many times? Hold your hand up if this has ever happened to you. How many times have you run into somebody and you remembered their face, but you couldn't remember their name? Hold your hand up. Yeah. All right. Now hold your hand up if this is true. How many times have you run into somebody and you said, I don't remember your face, but I remember your name? That doesn't make sense, does it? No, that doesn't make sense at all because we don't remember words very well. We remember pictures. And so when I want to remember something, I turn it into a picture and I recall the picture and the words come to me. You should try it sometime. But anyway, this is uh, what we did last week. If you were here, you should remember this. These are the three images that God says to you. I want you to build a person. And then you start building a person with your hands, as crazy as that may sound. You start building a human being, a person, and that's the image I want you to have. And if you were here last week, you know who that person is. Who is the person God wants you to build? You, yourself. 
God says, I want you building yourself up in your most holy faith. That's what God says. Now, the second picture I gave you is this. God gives you something, puts it in your hands, and it is something precious. It's something valuable. And God says, I want you to keep this. I want you to keep it in your heart. The keeping of this is vitally important. And you take this precious thing and you open, as it were, the door of your heart and you put this thing inside of your heart for safekeeping so that nobody or no circumstance or no situation can ever take it away from you. And if you were here last week, you know what that is. What is that precious thing? The love of God. You see how easy it is? You don't have to remember the words. You just remember the picture. The last picture I gave you is this. God says to you, save those people. And you turn around and there's a burning building. And you don't even know what you will do or how you will do it. But you run and people are leaping out of windows. And you are miraculously catching them. And you're rushing into the fire. And you're pulling people out of the fire. Some of them are asleep and startled. And you even frighten them. But you just grab them up anyway. You snatch them up and you pull them out of the fire. Who are the people that you're pulling out of the fire? The lost. People who don't know Jesus. And and so, so God says, building yourself up in your most holy faith, keeping yourself in the love of God. You keep it close to you. Don't ever let anything take it away from you. And the last one is, you should be saving people, saving some, saving as many people as you can. Now, The three pictures I've given you have three key words, building, keeping, saving, building yourself up, keeping yourself in the love of God, saving those you can. Can't save everybody, but you can save some people. Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. We can save some through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're never their savior, but we can carry them the information. We can give to them the information that leads to salvation. Now read the text. This is Jude 1, 17 through 23. Jude is the next to the last book in the New Testament, almost to the end, right before Revelation begins. And it says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, here it is, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And the last days are going to be some real ungodly people in the world. But this is what you're to be doing, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Verse 21, second thing, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Verse 23 is the third picture. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Now, friends, this passage of Scripture makes a distinction between the ungodly and the godly. That's what Jude is saying. In the last days, there will be some ungodly people in the world. And Jude is making a very clear distinction between the ungodly and the godly. 
He says, this is how, and by the way, there are about 16 or 17 things that he says in 25 verses describing the ungodliness of these people. This is how the ungodly will live, act, and behave as the time draws to an end in the last days and the last times. But you are to behave this way. This is what God wants you to do. And he gives them three things. Again, building yourself up in your most holy faith, keeping yourself in the love of God, and then saving as many people as you can. That is our assignment. That is your assignment. As we approach the last times, and I don't know about you, but I feel like we are getting very close. That these are three things we should be doing. Building ourselves up, keeping ourselves in the love of God, saving as many people as we possibly can. That is to be our focus. Now, sure, there will be times we have to stand our ground. There will be times we have to contend for the faith. He uses that very expression. Many times we will have to refuse to let the enemy distract us. But we are to focus on these three things. Now, it is also interesting that Jude throws this into the mix about these ungodly people. And he says, God's going to judge them. God's going to judge them. We're never going to get rid of the ungodliness. But God will judge them. All you have to do is back up two verses to verse 15. And this is what it says. That the Lord's coming back to execute judgment on all to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. That's a lot of ungodlies. Man, there's no doubt about what he's saying here. You, you see, friends, in the last days, there will be some really, really, really ungodly people in the world. And I said that last week. But this is what I did not say last week. And this is the reason I'm calling this a prequel to the sermon last Sunday. I didn't tell you. And I, I want to preface my remarks here. This is one of the saddest things you'll ever hear me say. This is... Um, Biblical and it's true, but it is extremely sad. And you'll be aware of it when I say it. But what I didn't tell you last week is that Jude says some of these ungodly people will actually be in the church of Jesus Christ. They're coming into the church. They're coming in to teach. They're coming in to be influencers. They're coming in to distract. Oh, friends, I wish it were not that way. I wish I could stand here today and tell you that all the ungodly people are in the world and all the godly people are in the church. That's not true. You see, Jude says in the last days, the ungodly will make their way into the church. And begin to influence and degrade and distract and distort the very truth that should be presented. Now, friends, that, that makes for a real dangerous situation, doesn't it? I, I, want you to, I want you to just look at one verse, Jude 1, 4. 
Jude says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. This is sad, isn't it? Tell you, this will break your heart. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, and they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jude says that these ungodly people are going to tell you that it's all right because of grace for you to live immoral lives. You know what I'm saying is the truth. Churches are doing it all over America. This is, this is so sad. You know this already, but I'm going to tell you again, friends, everything that glitters is not gold. Everything that sounds good is not gospel. And false leaders can and will be lethal if we are not discerning. You see, these are fake Christians preaching a fake gospel that will one day lead to a fatal end. Oh, this is sad and dangerous. And, and we need to have our eyes open. There's a reason that this one little book is in the Bible and it is so graphic. Because we need to keep our eyes open. This is sad. Now, right about now, probably there's somebody sitting in this congregation who thinks, man, I came to church to be lifted up. And I'm already depressed. I, I confess, this is not a feel-good message, but one that we need to deal with. But I can tell you, this is not fuzzy, feel good. But if you hear this message and you'll listen to it and you'll apply it to your life, I can tell you there will come a day when it will feel good. It will feel good when you stand before Almighty God and you know in your heart that you did not buy into the lies. You didn't buy into the deception. You didn't listen to that fake gospel. You stayed in the word of God and you believed what God's word says. You didn't buy into this modern day gospel that says you can be right with God and still live in sin. Oh. See, you didn't buy into a false gospel that has nothing to do with holiness. All it has to do with is human desires, human feelings, what I want, what I long for, has nothing to do with the Spirit. But you didn't buy into it. You stood your ground. 
You were in a church that preached the truth that when everything is going bad and everything's going wrong and ungodliness is raging, you stay focused on the thing you should stay focused on. You keep building yourself up in your most holy faith. You stay in the word of God. You're memorizing scripture. You're joining with your life groups. You're staying true and you're not letting anybody deceive you. You are staying true. See, that's what, that's what Jude was trying to get across to us in this passage of Scripture. They're coming. They're already here. Now, I hope we preach a gospel so true, so pure, so much in your face that when they show up here, they get out real fast. That's what I hope and pray for my friends, we don't want any part of that. Now, you may be asking this question. Why in the world would anybody do what we've just described? Why would anybody pervert the good news? Why would they mess around with this holy thing called the gospel? Why would they do that? I can give you a couple reasons. And I'm sure there are many reasons beyond my comprehension. I can give you a couple reasons. The reason people will do it is because rather than changing their lives to line up with the word of God, they change the word of God to line up with their lives. Here's the second reason. I'll just give you two. We could spend all day on this. The second reason they do it is because the truth and only the truth and nothing but the truth doesn't raise a lot of money. You see, truth says without Jesus, you're going to hell. Try that on television right before you ask them to send you the money. (laughs) The truth is, if you're living in sin, the best case scenario is that the judgment of God will fall upon you. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens even as a father, the son in whom he delights. The worst case scenario is you're going to end up in hell. The truth doesn't always feel good or sound good, does it? Yeah. And, and, and I got to tell you, the truth doesn't raise money, but making people feel good and safe in their sin does. People like that. I have to confess, I like it too, but I know it's not true. And, and every now and then we need to hear this, church. And that is that Christianity, or I should say religion, is a very profitable and lucrative business. It's it's a multi-billion dollar business. And people will preach, write, teach, and say anything necessary to get the money flowing in. And I want to tell you, I want to tell some of you young people this, because us older folks, we've already seen this. Some of your favorite and most admired musicians and worship singers in America will one day abdicate the faith and go to Hollywood. Because the only reason they're doing it is because of the profit and the fame. They're not doing it because they're full of the Spirit. 
Now, that's not true of all of them. Some of them are godly people that will stay the course. But some of them, I've seen it. The older folks in here have seen it. As soon as Hollywood will give them more money than they're making in the religion industry, they'll hit Hollywood. I'm just saying, be careful. This, this is something we need to be careful of. I, I want to make this statement. There is no safety in sin. There is no safety in sin. Chuck, will you hand me that bottle of water right there? The devil's drying my mouth out because he doesn't want me to tell you this. There's no safety in sin. None. It's not okay. It's wrong. The, the church of Jesus Christ needs a call back into holiness. We need to call sin, sin. We need to take a stand. I've done this through the years. And I feel like that this is the appropriate time to do it again. There are times I stand in this pulpit and give a laundry list of sin. Just to make sure that everybody who attends this church has an idea of what we believe and where we stand. We believe homosexuality and same-sex marriage is a sin. We believe abortion is a sin. We believe lust, adultery, infidelity, rape, incest, premarital and extramarital sex is a sin. We believe living together as husband and wife without being married is a sin. We believe pornography is a sin that destroys lives on both ends of the industry. Those who produce it and those who buy it. We believe lying, cheating, stealing, dishonesty, selfishness is a sin. We believe racism is a sin. We believe worshiping anything other than God is a sin. We believe drunkenness, substance abuse, and witchcraft is a sin. We believe vulgarity, blasphemy, and cursing is a sin. We believe unforgiveness and hatred is a sin. We believe gossip is a sin. We, we, be careful with that one. Because that's so subtle. We believe gossip is a sin. We believe pride, arrogance, and haughtiness is a sin. We believe a negative, mean-spirited, and critical lifestyle is a sin. We believe, believe being a busybody and meddling in other people's business is a sin. And the list goes on and on. But friends, listen to me. We believe that when you're pointing out someone else's sin without dealing with your own sin, that's a sin. And we should always remember the remarks of our Lord and Savior. He that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. So, so be real, real careful there. I, we need to set a high standard, but let that standard start with you. Building yourself up in your most holy faith. We also believe that if we confess our sins and forsake our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's a merciful God. You, you see, we're not trying to beat up, hurt, or destroy sinners by calling sin, sin. We're trying to say, this is what God's word says, and he loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He's willing to forgive you. His grace will let you walk out of that sin and live a new life that glorifies God. <laughs> we 
Wow. Now, when you read this little book of Jude, it's only 25 verses. Please read it before the day is out. And I'll also ask you to do this. Read it out loud. I've done this many times. Read it out loud. Because what you're going to find out is this. When you read it out loud, you're going to find out that Jude, who, by the way, was the brother of Jesus, the younger half-brother of Jesus. When Jude writes this, you can't miss it. He's angry. He's filled with righteous indignation. Read it out loud. You can't, you can't miss it. He says these ungodly people who are doing these ungodly things and they're saying this ungodly stuff and they're teaching these ungodly ways in the church and their whole lives are ungodly. One of these days, they're going to stand before God and they're going to answer for their ungodliness. I mean, he is, he is ripping them. <laughs> His words are scathing. And he blisters these people. He doesn't pull any punches. But then I want you to see this. Verse 20. His whole tone changes. He says, but you, beloved. <laughs> these ungodly people, they're doing this ungodly stuff. And I'm sick of this ungodliness. And you don't need to let this ungodliness affect you. But you, beloved. Tender, compassionate, isn't it? Don't you love that word, beloved? Look at the person next to you and say, beloved. Yeah. Beloved. Oh. You see, they're ungodly and they're wicked and they're doing this detestable stuff. But you, beloved. Build yourself up. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. You're not like them. But you, beloved, don't get angry. If you do, keep it righteous. Keep yourself in the love of God. But you, beloved, save some. You, you see, Jude was saying, no matter how bad it gets in the world, no, no matter how bad it gets in the church. And I want to tell you, I've listened to some preachers and I had to cut them off. We have a faithful member of this church that told me a story about going to another church years ago. A member of another church and the pastor got up in the pulpit and he was preaching out of the Old Testament. And he took a whole section of scripture and he said, church, I want you to know this is not a little church now. This is a big church. He said, church, I want you to know this shouldn't even be in the Bible. So just when you get to this, just take this out of your Bible. You know why he wanted to take it out of the Bible? Because it didn't line up with his ungodly life. Later, that pastor fell and had to leave that church. But I want to tell you what our brother did. Our brother got up and walked out of that church right at that moment. Amen. Let me tell you something. If I ever take my Bible and tell you, just tear that page out. That's a good time for you to get up and leave. Because I'm off track. Or anybody does that. Oh, friends. No. 
No, this is what we do. We stay with the word of God when everybody else departs from the word of God. We stay with truth regardless. We, we stay with the word. I got to tell you in the end, it's going to be worth it all. It's going, when the world is getting worse and worse, you and I should get better and better. When the world's getting darker and darker, you and I should be walking so close to the Lord that our lives are getting brighter and brighter. Let me tell you, we have to be careful. If Jude is saying anything in this passage of Scripture, he is saying, but you, beloved, don't go that way. But you, beloved, don't follow them. But you, beloved, don't listen to their teachings. But you, beloved, stay with the truth. Now, friends, your best defense, we got some great teachers in this church. Um, We got some good preachers in this church. But your best defense against false teachers, false preachers, false songwriters, false musicians. They're all the way across the board. Not all of them. Some of them are good and genuine. But your best defense against fake Christianity and a fake gospel, your best defense is building yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keeping yourself in the love of God and saving a lot of people, as many people as you can. I heard somebody say, if your church is discouraged, put them on a, a soul winning diet. Just get them saving people, going out there and helping people. That's what you do. I, this is something I noticed years ago, and I did a little bit of study on it. Did you know that one of the ways they teach people how to identify counterfeit money is to make them so knowledgeable of the real and the genuine that the moment they touch the counterfeit, they know it. And, and I got to tell you, our printed money, man, that is detailed. Man, it is something else. And, and so what they do is they, they teach you. Now, you, you could walk up to me and give me a counterfeit $100 bill, and I'd kiss you on the cheek. <laughs> I'd say to God, be the glory. Yeah. I wouldn't know the difference. But people who handle money know. You see, there's the color-shifting ink. Look some of this stuff up. Our bills have color-shifting ink. They have some unique watermarks. They have uh, blurred, that's what they call it, blurred borders. I've never paid attention to any of this stuff. Our, our money has raised print. Our, our, our money has, has uh, these secure uh, Strings or strands in them that have microprinting on them. Uh, our money has this uh, this uh, ultraviolet glow on it. And you're going to be looking at your money. I'm telling you, <laughs> ultraviolet. Did you? Somebody's got it out right now. We're looking at it right now. Yeah. And by the way, did you know that our money has red and blue fibers in it? 
red and blue fibers. Uh, uh, they're, they're fibers all through the money. And then there's the serial number, and there's some things unique about the serial numbers. And, and, and the idea is this, that you get these people, these bankers or people that handle money a lot, you get them so familiar with the real, the genuine, the true, that the moment they touch the counterfeit. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes you don't have to touch it. Sometimes you just look at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We're going we're, we're gonna to let you do a, a class on this. Hey, so let me tell you what I did. Now, you already know this. If you've been in this church very long, your pastor doesn't always do the smartest things in the world. But I decided one time that I was going to make some counterfeit money. I was actually sitting in the church office when I decided to do this. This was not before I came to Christ. I was already pastoring this church. And I'm sitting in my office and I read all this stuff and I said, is that true? Is that real? So I made a $20 bill. I took the nicest, cleanest, prettiest $20 bill I had. I went to our copy machine. These copy machines are something else today, aren't they? And so I copied that $20 bill. And then I took scissors and I mean I cut it and then I ruffled it up just a little bit. I'm not making any of this up. And then I went down to the local store and I got some stuff, drank and some crackers and some peanuts. I put it on the counter and I took my counterfeit $20 bill out. I laid it very carefully on the counter and I slid it across the counter. There was two or three people standing alongside of me. And the lady, I'm assuming she had never had any real professional training, but I got to tell you, friends, if all you know is the truth, you don't have to go through a lot of training to spit, to, to, to detect the faults. She reached down and she picked, because I pushed it just right. She reached down and she picked it up and the moment her hands touched it, I could see the look on her face. <laughs> and then she does this. She looks at me. And then she looks at it again. Now, let me tell you what was happening right at that moment. The people on my side of the counter were laughing. And the reason we were laughing is because I didn't print both sides of it. The side facing us was just blank. It was just white. She's looking at one side. And we're all laughing. Now, let me tell you why I did that. I felt like that would be enough to keep me out of jail. <laughs> or either they would put me in jail for being the dumbest counterfeiter on the planet. I don't know. But anyway, she looks at it. And she says to me, she drops it. She said, sir, this is counterfeit. And I said, turn it over. And she turned it over and looked at that solid white side of it. And then she went to laughing. Can I tell you today, I want to be like that lady behind the counter. I want to be as so close to the Lord and so close to the word of God that when my eyes see or my ears hear or my hands touch the counterfeit, I want to know it's not real. And there's a lot of that stuff. 
There's a lot of that stuff going on. I'm, I'm just asking you, friends. Do you know what God's word says? Get in the word of God. Uh, sit under teaching, sit under preaching, but get in the word of God and learn it for yourself. You see, the Bible tells us that the devil is a deceiver, doesn't it? And over and over again, I tried to look up the number of times that the Bible says do not be deceived, but it was so many times I couldn't count them all. Don't be deceived. You see, we shouldn't be deceived. Friends, if you want to pass the test in tough times, and I might say in the toughest times that the world will ever see, then you need to be building yourself up in your most holy faith. You need to be keeping yourself in the love of God. And you need to be helping others along the way. Now, it occurred to me, I don't know if this is significant at all, but it occurred to me that the last three things you and I are told to do in the Bible before the Bible goes into the apocalypse of Revelation. The worst days that the world will ever see. That the last three things we're told is build yourself up. Keep yourself in the love of God. Help and save as many people as you can. So I'm saying today, friends, this has to be important. It's in the word of God. Now, I want to close with this because it's very important that I tell you this. And I bet you somebody here needs to hear this. Committing a sin does not mean you are ungodly. Teaching others... To sin is ungodly. There's a big difference. Committing a sin does not mean you're ungodly. Refusing to call it sin when the Bible calls it sin. Refusing to acknowledge it and repent of it and return to the Lord. That's ungodly. Do you understand the word ungodly? You see, here's God, here's his word, here's what God says. And when you choose any other pathway, then that is ungodly. That is unlike God. That's what ungodly means. You see, if you sin according to the Bible, in fact, the Bible says, if any of us sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And, and, and if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Committing a sin does not mean you're ungodly. It means you're human. It means you made a mistake. And what God wants you to do, and this is godly, is you run back to the cross. You get it under the blood. You ask God to forgive you. You don't try to justify it. You fall on your own sword, so to speak, and you just get right with God. That's a godly pathway. That's what God has designed. I, just for fear that I'm not communicating well. Even if you commit a big sin, a horrible sin, a shameful sin, a disgraceful sin, that does not mean you are ungodly. If you, if you embrace that and change your lifestyle to justify that and you, you go in that direction, that's ungodly. That's ungodly. You see, if committing a sin made us ungodly, then we're all what? We're all ungodly. But God made provision for us. But that provision is never justifying what's wrong. It means you turn and you run to the Lord. 
but you, beloved. You see what Jude is saying is there's ungodliness and sin in the church, in the world, but you, beloved. That's not who you are. But you, beloved, you're of a different sort. But you, beloved, you have the Spirit. But you, beloved, when you make a mistake, you run to the cross. When, when you're not sure about something, you run to the Word. But you, beloved, this is what you do. You build yourself up in your most holy faith. You keep yourself in the love of God. And you save as many people as you can. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for letting me preach this message. Father, help me, all of our other preachers in this church, and all of our other teachers to never compromise. Stay with the Word of God. I pray that you'll raise up a church family, Lord, that we embrace the truth even when it hurts, even when it's difficult. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you'll bless us right now. If there's anything in our lives that shouldn't be there, whether it's just a thought, a feeling, a conviction that doesn't line up, would you convict us, Lord? I, I pray, Father, that this morning will be a moment when we can get things right with you, to confess, to return, and to walk with you. Bless us as we go into this invitation, Lord. Holy Spirit, draw us, and may this be a monumental moment in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.